When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to have Triad and True hanging out with us today. Uh, we've been looking forward to, this, forward to this for a really long time, chatting with you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. So I think Liv sent uh, us a, when are your TikTok videos? Yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago. It was like over a year ago, long before I had TikTok, because I was like, I did not want to get TikTok. He was a holdout. <laughs> I don't like social media stuff, but yeah, the it, video of you guys checking into hotel and we died laughing because we did, <laughs> we experienced that, you know, just like you guys, where we go in and several times we checked it into our room, booked the key, opened the door, two queens, then we got to go back downstairs with all the luggage and... Yeah, yeah, dealing the, with the confused receptionist, like, what? <laughs> but there's three of you. Oh, yeah. So we absolutely love watching your guys' TikTok videos. Yes. So fun. So Thank entertaining. <laughs> so for our listeners. Yeah, we try to educate while also keep it entertaining. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very awesome. entertaining. Yeah, you're doing a great job. <laughs> for our listeners, would you mind giving us a little background, you guys? Tell us your uh, thruple love story. Absolutely. Do you want to start? Should I start? <laughs> It more or less starts with Aaron and I. So uh, we've been together since we were 18. Long 24 years together. <laughs> um, and it was one of those things, heteronormative, uh, monogamous culture, that you just find your person, you settle down, you do life. We thought we were having kids, living in the suburbs. It was a very sort of uh, relationship escalator story and following the script. And at one point, started to realize that we maybe weren't follow that script and um, got into the first first learned that we weren't going to have kids. So that went out the window. Then um, I more or less came, either came to terms or learned that I was bisexual and had an interest in also exploring or being with women. And so we learned about the swinging lifestyle and did that for about a decade. During that time frame, learned about polyamory and the ability to actually be relationship long-term with more than one person, all of these things, which were never even presented as options to me growing up. And so uh, about almost five years ago now, uh, intentionally set out to try to find more people to join our, well, one more person who <laughs> did have a specific sort of vision in mind um, and created the dating profiles and got on the apps and we're so lucky to connect with Casey. She has her story that she can tell you a little bit more about but it was a um, match made on bumble, made on bumble yeah. yeah i saw that actually i saw that on your on your social media yeah how it all started yep. Yep. so was it the dating it was, bumble or bumble bff just out of curiosity it was dating yeah, yeah it was very specific yeah that we were a couple and um so you guys were intentionally looking to be in a thruple we were we were at this point now um, we had put our profiles together saying that we were a couple in a long-term, very healthy, loving relationship. Um, there was nothing wrong with our relationship, more or less me and being bisexual and wanting to also build a relationship with a woman um, alongside Aaron, who's a wonderful man, uh, would be awesome. And, you know, trying to make it as ethical as possible, trying not to come across as the, you know, current hunters just for, you know, someone else's, using someone else as a toy for our pleasure. Right, yeah but really saying that we'll start over as three cool people coming into the 
on the light fresh and new altogether. And yeah. So was there a decoupling process with that? And if so, how did that look for you guys? It, it was as much as we had done some research and education and learning and being part of all of the um, different groups and listening to a lot of podcasts and trying our best. You still don't know what you don't know until you're there. Yeah, and right. A lot of early lessons learned, even um, simple things of he always went to the gym at 6 a.m. in case he wants to sleep in. Why should she have to conform to <laughs> Right. I'm not a 6 a.m. gym person. Every <laughs> individual. So it was, and a lot of understanding that at any given point, this might not work. And yeah. this may not want to continue. And what happens if two in any combination decide something different? And some yeah. Conversations. Do you guys feel like you, you knew what you were getting yourselves into? At the beginning, even with all the, the research that you've done in advance? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a patient person, but, uh, it, uh, you know, a couple's on a little more, a little more patience needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a complete, it's a, it's a constantly evolving thing, at least for me. Um, so I think to have expectations and to say, this is how it's going to go you're going to set yourself up for failure. So for me, it's more so just learning as, as I go. Flexible. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. Yeah. So, so Casey, well, I, I want to hear from, say, yeah, I, oh, go ahead. And then I want to hear your version as well of uh, like coming into the relationship. Yeah, totally. And that's actually where I was about to um, go. So I, I really kind of um, start, I guess. So I was raised in a very kind of, religious conservative type of community boy we hear that story um, over and over again <laughs> it, it, it's a thing and so if hard. i understand right yeah. you weren't raised in like a christian home per se but your community was very conservative is that correct yeah well so i mean my parents are are religious like i was i was raised in the church but okay. not like any of the like kind of extreme um types it, i mean i was baptized and the whole thing. And I, I, you know, went to church a lot, but it was more, I mean, my parents are pretty laid back when it comes to religion. So it was definitely more the, I grew up in Missouri. And so it was definitely more that influence of, you know, kind of the Bible belt. Um, and so even just looking around, like I knew very few, um, you know, gay people, I knew no one who was, you know, trans or anything like that. And so it was, definitely kind of, um, you know, you, you grow up in that kind of mindset and that prescribed, like you look around and this is what, what is reflected back to you of, I was going to get married to a man. I was going to have some kids like do the whole thing. And, you know, I think I actually, it was whenever I moved away from Missouri for the first time, uh, in my early twenties that I was like, Oh, like there's a whole world out here. That's not Missouri. <laughs> and I think at that point I kind of, started to accept the fact that, you know, maybe I wasn't so, you know, prescribed as being straight or, you know, being monogamous. And then I think even just a few years after that, it was really whenever um, I moved to Colorado, I kind of switched my dating apps. I like, I had a bad relationship end with the dude. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to switch my apps to women. And, <laughs> and that was, I, I really fell into, um, it was it really interesting because I actually matched with a woman uh, who was married and she was like, yeah, like this is what we do. And, and it was like going into it, even though it was very secretive. And I, it was 
I mean, there was a lot of shame at that point with it because it was so outside of the norm and and really my comfort zone. But I was like, well, I'll meet her. And I know that I like men already. So like, we'll just like maybe see. And then he can be like the buffer. Like this was all going on in my brain. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk to anyone about it. I didn't tell any, I didn't do any of the safe things that you're supposed to do. But I finally ended up meeting um, this couple had this fantastic um, kind of experience. And I think that was whenever I was like, oh, no, okay, like I'm, I'm into this. Nice. And so I, I was in uh, some of the, you know, kind of triad or thruple or really uh, non-monogamous dating apps like Field. Um, and I ended up meeting now ex-partners um, who we really fell into um, a thruple triad type of situation didn't know really much about it. It was, you look back on it and we did so many things wrong and it ended in like a ball of fire Mm. that I was like, I'm done with this. I'm never doing any relationship like this ever again. And so I went back to trying to date monogamous and was really having um, just issue with that. Like I just didn't, it was so, I was like, oh, like even whenever I was dating someone monogamously, I was like looking for other people. Um, and so finally it was just, I came across Rachel and Aaron's profile on Bumble and I was like, they seem interesting. I may, mm-hmm. maybe I'll try again, but I'm going to be like really upfront that we're going to move slow and <laughs> like, we're really going to like put in the effort and all of this, which obviously resulted in us deciding to move in together. <laughs> Not moving slow. <laughs> yeah. we, we moved really, obviously really slow. Yeah, so we, that. we did, yeah, we did put the effort in and it was a yeah. lot of very serious, transparent conversations. What does everyone want? How's everyone comfortable? And even then, like being like, all right, we're going to give this a go. Uh, there was still that, you know, several months adjustment period of, you know, kind of falling into a regular routine. Granted, uh, it was COVID times at that point. So we moved in together and COVID hit like two months later. Yeah. So then we were just, it was like, you figure it out. Yep. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I love it. Well, well backing up too, I know Rachel mentioned, Rachel mentioned it briefly, but we were living in Mexico. Rachel and I were living in Mexico at the time, visiting family in Colorado when we met Casey. So she didn't exactly know, like, who are these people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was half convinced they were drug dealers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So it, it, watching your videos and TikToks, Instagrams, everything, it's very clear how much chemistry there is between the three of you. Um, but Casey, was there anything in particular that really stood out about both Rachel and Aaron that made you very confident? Like, this is something special. This, this relationship is something different. Like, what was it that yeah. you were ready to move in together 12 weeks later? <laughs> 12 days. Oh, 12, 12 days. days. Okay. Yeah. 12 days. <laughs> it was wild. And then we ended up actually moving in together uh, after a few months because they had to go and settle up in Mexico and then actually moved back. Um, but I think something that really helped us early on was the fact that we really prioritized building our separate relationships. So, you know, even like in the first few weeks, like I was going out with Aaron alone and we were like going to the breweries and we were, you know, discussing football and watching football and like all of these um, things. And then, you know, on the flip side, it's like Rachel and I would like hang out in Snuggies and Mm -hmm. like, you know, just all of those things. So I think that that was um, really it was it gave me a chance to fall in love with them very quickly. but individually instead of that pressure of it's me versus them do I like them as a couple like Mm -hmm. as a unit 
it was more like, okay, it's me and Aaron, and then it's me and Rachel. And like, how does that develop? And and frankly, like things don't always develop at the same rate. It's like, it could be, you know, with some, it's really hard and fast with one partner and the yeah. other one, it's uh, maybe a little bit slower burn. And so that was like, you know, kind of adjusting to all of that, but <laughs> we got the dog. <laughs> it's yeah. good. Um, but yeah, so it was adjusting to that, um, you know, and, and making sure that we were fostering all the relationships so that we could, you know, eventually get to a point where it was really healthy all around. And honestly, like, have you seen them? They're beautiful. <laughs> like I, I, I lucked out pretty, pretty good. Yes. Yeah. I can tell you all lucked out. Like, yeah, this, the, the union here is, is beautiful. It's interesting because we've been interviewing uh, throuples all over the country for the last two, three weeks now. And the one, you know, several things keep the same things. Keep uh -huh. coming up. One, I see it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry. Yep. And it's always uh, we met and then I moved in two weeks later. Uh -huh. Whirlwind. Yeah. yeah whirlwind romance. <laughs> and then uh, I grew up in a conservative Christian background. <laughs> I didn't and, know this was an option. And it was COVID. And, <laughs> it's like and also I see the long term and the stability of the original couple. Yes. That yes. seems to be a thing also. Yeah, like very uh, solid. Yeah, a yeah. solid relationship. I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah, there's a pattern. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. But you guys are a little more unique in that you already knew that you were wanting a throuple starting out. Yeah, like, it's not accidental. That's how Josh and I were when we met Liv as well. And yeah, it seems like it's maybe maybe even 50-50. I don't know. But yep. yeah, it seems like it's less common yeah. to for a couple to be intentionally seeking. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that that also really ends up resulting in some of those bad situations, right? right. Uh, in my first relationship, when we really did just fall into it and it wasn't intentional and we moved in together and there were still so many things that uh, when it when we were talking about like inequalities uh, or inequities, it was very like, you know, I didn't ever sleep in the middle of the bed or like just things that you know, whenever you look at, uh, in retrospect, you're like, okay, like we really should have done this, um, differently. And so I think that, you know, and obviously some people get to a point where they make it work and it, and it, and it turns out beautifully. Um, but I do think that that was something that was a really good, um, kind of stepping stone, like to, to start with is everyone kind of came into this knowing like, this is what we want. Like, this is the type of relationship style that, that we want. And then, you know, being able to put the intention behind it and have some of that education beforehand. So it wasn't so, you know, right. messy. Right. So the uh, speaking about sleeping arrangements, cause this is, so, I mean, this is my thing. Like Your pet peeve. <laughs> my thing. Do you guys sleep together all the time? All three of you? Yes. And who sleeps in the Pretty middle? When we're all together. Who is the one that sleeps in the middle? You guys, so you guys trade off. Okay, so whenever you sleep in the middle, ladies, where do you keep your things? Your phone, your water bottle, or you, I have a lot of things, like a lot of things. And I'm always like going around in circles and I sit down because I'm the one sleeping in the middle. I sit, I'm getting in bed uh, uh, later than everyone else because I keep needing things and it's, it's just, it's hard. Where do you keep your things? We have a shelf on the back of our bed that's like this wide. So like things set up there, but then there's a windowsill that's probably about that wide behind it. So we're able to like put water, phone, chapstick, like whatever's needed so that the middle person can just be like. Nice. Yeah. 
I can feel right. the jealousy from across the well, bar. The thing is that our bed has this very luxurious looking, beautiful, how do you call that? The, the velvet. The, yeah. Backing. So we can't really put anything on the back wall. Yeah. yeah it's super sexy, and it's pretty but not very tall. Useful. Like you'd have not to practical. sit completely up to like reach yeah. everything up. <laughs> and I end up sleeping with everything. I, yeah, I end up sleeping with everything on my pillow. <laughs> yeah, you put What's something that, up there. Yeah. I was just gonna say we've done that before, like tall beds where you put, try and put a water bottle up there, and then all of a sudden it comes flying down. down. Oh yeah, no, no, that's no. danger. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a risk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's the blanket situation? One one large comforter. Or? Wait. Well, yes, we have a large comforter or a large seat, and depending on whether it's winter or summer. But the middle person has to. Well, actually, both Casey and I have two extra blankets. So especially the middle person, we say you have to throw a leg out or throw them out, uh-huh. <laughs> boiling and roasting to death. Then you can have a little sheet over, so you still can stay covered. But mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, you're dying. We have a, yeah. another tribe of friends that I think she took a blanket and like made a zipper. In the middle of it, so she could stick her leg out of the blanket. Uh, <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, we just we resorted to just three separate. We, so we have three oh. extra long twin comforters. Like that's that was our. We best all solution. sleep at different temperatures, so yeah. it's like so she has three blankets. She has two. Do you I have make nothing it like that. Yeah, like do you like put the three comforters? Yeah, it's not very pretty, but yeah, it it's it kind of it, when you want to functional when yeah. you want to snuggle, you have to like get through all the blankets, and it's it's tricky, and then you don't know whose blanket is which because we should have gotten different colors. We yeah. realized smart. <laughs> hindsight. Yeah, I was gonna say I have this vision now of like your ornate like velvet headboard and like just the three. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, those all disappear. There's like a storage thing yeah. at the end of the bed, and then we put a you know comforter that's just for looks, even yes, though no one ever sees day. our bed yeah. for some reason. I'm just realizing yeah. our sleeping situation is very complicated. It is. It's a process. <laughs> we have two bedrooms. Like I have a bedroom and Shar has a bedroom, and we end up changing the bedrooms so we. Uh, carry comforters and pillows from side to side. Yeah. Yeah. We like to complicate things. <laughs> it's also it's been a, an evolution of the relationship. Yeah. When we first moved into the house, Liv and I were, yeah, we were, a, we a were a v v, dynamic. So, yeah. So now that it's a, actually a throuple, it's, yeah, it, it's transformed can, a little bit. Can I ask how yes. that evolved for you guys? What changed or how that I think a lot of it was just me being honest first with myself of what I wanted out of our relationship. Um, I mean, much like you guys were talking about, like when we, when Josh and I first got married, that was the only option. Like I, it took a long time for me to even be honest with myself that I was bisexual. Like even after we're having these three ways and they're super fun, I'm like, yeah, I'm bi comfortable. And Josh is like, yeah, honey, I, I see you. Like, I, I think it's a little bit more than comfortable. <laughs> So I finally acknowledged that. And then we met Liv and I saw their connection. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Like I totally, you know, totally. I considered her a life partner, but it wasn't like, I wasn't being honest with myself that I wanted more than just like roommates and loving, you know, mutually loving Josh. And then eventually once I was finally honest with myself, got the guts to like be honest with them and be like, all right, if you're on board with this, I, and I, like, I was. Yes. Yeah. And I think she was wanting it probably a lot sooner than. Oh, yeah. I, I was. wanted it from the very beginning. Yeah. I expected it. And we didn't really go that way. And uh, I just, you know, I didn't push anything. And yeah. when it finally happened, I was very happy with it. And then I got polybombed. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Not how long have the three of you been then together? The uh, almost three years now, I think. Uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. 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 We're we're yeah we're a younger relationship than you guys are. Yes. But very similar. Where it was like when similar. when you know you know. It's like yeah yeah. You guys have been quite the inspiration. Like we're wa watching your TikTok videos, like the proposal video, unbelievable. Then we, we watched you guys created dance. The, the choreographed dance. <laughs> the choreographed dance on the... Incredible. What is that yes. movie again? I forgot that. that was... uh, Ronnie and Michelle. Ronnie right? and Michelle. Ronnie. Okay, there you go. I, I love the movie. What well, a you guys great idea. set the bar very high. Yes. How are the throuples going to get that level? So awesome. It was it was so funny. We uh, we can talk about these in separate parts, the proposal, but for that specifically, because obviously we had the proposal, we knew we were going to do this ceremony. And then we were talking um, about it because we were like, well, we don't want to do like, like just a regular dance. And we were like, what's the best three person dance you can think of? I, I think like Rachel asked that. And I was like, Romeo Michelle's high school. And they were like, I don't know what that is and i was like cool let's go watch it and we did it and it was like okay yeah we we can do this because it's not the most complicated moves and it's kinda, yeah. it's like pretty goofy no but one were we very good dancers so it was helpful to have like direction on what we should do anyways. we practiced so much <laughs> it came through for sure that yeah. was yeah it was beautiful <laughs> so impressive <laughs> one of the fun i think one of the most fun things about a relationship like this because in 20 almost four years i would have never done anything like that with aaron neither one of us you bring a casey in the mix and shit hit the fan yeah <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah the escape room proposal that was something again. else too we love escape rooms that was the first date we all did together the three mm -hmm. of us and then that's where it kind of stood out too, because we beat this really hard escape room just the three of us and we all think so differently it, it was like um Liv knew so much about art and things that we we're like what she's like oh that's Michelangelo that's Leonardo that's you know all this art that was part of the clues we needed it's like we saw the thing got told a little side up like mm -hmm. now we do them all the time we just we love yep. traveling around and yep. doing escape rooms was, yeah they did a fantastic job with the escape room proposal and I will say like at that point we've been together for two and a half years or something along those lines three I don't know Oh, uh, but we had been together for a while and I was like, you know, and I, we had talked about like, you know, for me, I was still, you know, I didn't want to give up the, like, just because I'm in a non-traditional relationship, I didn't want to give up some of those traditions that like I was excited about growing up or, or, you know, just kind of getting into it. And so I was like, yeah, I would, I, I would really like to be proposed to. And, but then I thought for sure that I would know because I was like, well, I'm not just going to go get my nails done or like, I'm not going to like dress up randomly. And the way that they did it, it was the day before Rachel's birthday. And so we went to this escape room and it was for Rachel's birthday. And like the week before Rachel's like, I want to get my nails done for my birthday. <laughs> you want to come and get your nails done? And I was like, yeah, like, I'll get my nails done. And so all of this, and then it was like wearing a dress to an escape room. And I was like, if that's what Rachel wants for her birthday. Like, <laughs> that is so smart. <laughs> I love it. And then, yeah, we got to the very last clue and they, in the, they coordinated with the escape room. And so they had the, the the ring and everything hidden in the last like drawer that popped out. And it was, and I'm, I'm very competitive. So we got there and I'm like, okay, like, cool, go open this room. And then I looked down and I was like, 
She missed what, all of the what roses, is the yeah. ring. Oh. Oh. <laughs> She's on, on the next clue. She didn't even see the ring. <laughs> That's competitive. Priorities. Yeah. That's so I was awesome. actually wondering if you guys, uh, what if you wouldn't have finished the escape room? What, what if you wouldn't have gotten to the ring? <laughs> it was rigged. Totally that's why I was wondering did you guys knew already how to do it or like did you risk it <laughs> nice. no but they knew they were going to give us enough of the clues or hints or okay out. we didn't need them we also did good and we we survived on our own but uh no they were going to make sure that the, she opened the most box. nervous person that day was the lady at the escape room <laughs> she did so well too. we go in and she's so quiet and Casey's like what's wrong with this lady like she was super nervous. Oh. But she was she was she was awesome. But and she decorated the whole lobby too. So it's like she put us in the room. Was she was there by herself. She was monitoring to make sure that we were making it through and giving us like the hints when we needed it. But then also like putting up banners and wow and like all of this other stuff. So it was it was crazy. Yeah. But they That's were amazing. amazing and we had a few friends with us too. Uh, a couple friend of ours they also uh, have a photography and videography business. They came with like their bags and I was just like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I love it. Rachel's birthday. That yeah. is so great. Oh my gosh. I want to know more about the wedding. Like everything you want to tell us. It's so exciting. It was beautiful. I mean, for all... Um, intents and purposes it, it was a traditional wedding yep like you might see or assume we walked down the aisle except that there were two brides and stuff yeah i i i saw the videos yeah, and I, I did you guys have the same dress or was it similar i know you had the same so shoes right together we had yeah. the same shoes yeah yeah and we shopped together to make sure that they would complement each other but we also did the first reveal to aaron together but mm -hmm. he got that for the second time. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. Like to, from the we call it the first wedding when Rachel and I got married, uh -huh. you know, like lessons learned that you do and don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and like this time we're like, we're just gonna do all inclusive and just go to the beach because the beach is our thing. And it's really nice when you don't have to worry about a flower vendor and a cake vendor and this and that. Like they yeah, do highly recommend it. Yeah. And it was interesting. We chose Puerto Vallarta because that's where we used to live and it's kind of dear to our heart and it's a cool place. But the uh, the hotel itself, the coordinator, she was awesome. She she's like, I've never heard of a three person wedding, but we'll figure it out, and it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's they awesome. were they were fantastic. Mm -hmm. The whole thing, and it was nice because we obviously invited all of our family, all of our friends. Really did the whole thing, um, yeah, just like you would do for a regular, you know, mm -hmm. monogamous wedding. And um, all of our families came down. All of our friends came down. Like. It was just the most like wonderful celebration of love. And it's like, you know, but I mean, it, to travel to Mexico and to stay at an all-inclusive resort for several days, it's like no small feat. And no one even batted an eye of like, well, it's not even legal. So like, why would I do that? It was yeah. granted, we have fantastic friends and family. So um, I think that that obviously really helps that everyone was just like, yeah, we're going to Mexico. We're going to go do this ceremony on the beach. It's going to be amazing. So the, the unique part of the ceremony, uh, Aaron's brother was the officiant and did a little bit of sort of education and advocacy around polyamory mm. and why this was so important from a commitment and dedication standpoint more than the legal part yeah. of it. Um, 
and a lot of the people, even though they've always been supportive and, and part of our life in the last four and a half years, I think said they finally got it or sort mm. of understood the different dynamics and the four different relationships and how much effort, you know, we put into cultivating these different relationships. And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool experience. Yes. And we did, the way we did our vows is, um, it was we, long. It was, you know, you go into it and you're like, oh, we only need a couple of minutes. And then by the time you get to it, you're like, oh, well, my vows for Rachel are three minutes and then for Aaron are three minutes. And you That's put that all together and you have 20 minutes of vows. Um, but we did it separately to where one person did vows to one, one partner and then the other partner. And then like, I, you know, I kind together. of brought it back together and was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is us as a whole unit. And then you obviously multiply that by three. But I think that was, um, you know, to Rachel's point, it was cool for our friends and family to really hear how we interact with the individual partners as well. And like, you know, the things that Aaron and I share in common or Rachel and I share in common that, you know, isn't necessarily shared by the other partner. I think that those vows were really like that moment for people to see like, oh, it's not just three of them all the time. Like mm. you can really see the differentiation between the relationships. That's beautiful. I love that. And then uh, you guys have that full ceremony online, don't you? Did I hear that right? Is it on yeah. Facebook, Instagram? Oh, yeah, we live streamed it. Yeah, uh, live live on uh, Facebook. Tried awesome. Yep. And uh, you can go back and definitely watch it. And yeah. It's coming, I think, next week. I was going to say, and then we're getting our official wedding video like any time now. So we're very excited. Oh, <laughs> can't wait to see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know I watched your guys' uh, TikTok on trying to find a website for your wedding. And that's like something I hadn't even, wouldn't have even thought about. But watching, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that that would be something challenging. <laughs> yeah, well, so thank, you, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's like partner A, partner B. And yeah. you're like, what about partner C? Right. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the things that are hard embedded into those websites where it's like the monograms of... Right. Like, oh, the singular last name and then this person's first name and this person's first name. And you're like, that doesn't work for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you guys uh, came out to your family and friends, was it an easy was it an easy thing to do? Did you uh, encounter any challenges? Anybody that was not acceptant? The, the best way that we've sort of answered this question to everyone else is I think at the end of the day, there was a lot of fear. So as much as we thought some people were going to be totally supportive and excited, the reactions were very surprising and not always that way, especially at the beginning. Other people, my, I'll give a shout out to my religious and conservative mom, has been one of the most supportive, even though she doesn't get it and doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily, oh, I don't even say like it. She just, just can't comprehend it. She's been very, very supportive. Right. Someone thought Aaron was running off with the younger models but I was really lesbian and leaving Aaron after all these years someone she was going to come destroy our marriage I mean all of these things that at the end of the day because we dropped the bomb I mean literally we had met Casey and 12 days later told them we're moving back from another country to the United States and I'm bisexual and we're going to do this for a relationship was just like there's a lot there's a lot for people yeah. and so we give them a lot of grace and compassion for any reactions that they had early on and I think with time and just seeing us and seeing that we have obviously been very consistent and no one's going anywhere and we're building this life. And then obviously having the ceremony, a lot of those fears and concerns right. have been alleviated and now we're fine. But and I would also say like being more open has made things better. At the beginning, there's still this like, 
aura of secrecy that mm -hmm. kind of makes things worse in some ways. So mm -hmm. when you say like the TikTok videos are fun and whimsical and this and that, I think it actually helps normalize when our families can see or other people that we may meet um, to see that, hey, it's just like just normal BS that we all go through, just 50% yep. more challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or more fun. Yeah. More yeah. fun. Right. Yeah. But for a long time, Casey was our roommate and I mean, we're hiding behind these stories and then I was the best saying, roommate ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Roommate with benefits. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. It's like because they um moved back from Mexico and um they moved into my like little townhouse that uh I owned, which was also funny because it was like the home record, like gold digger, but I had them move into my house. <laughs> like it was like okay. But then um, you know, we they moved in and um it was definitely like, why is this married couple moving in with you? And it's like, oh, well, you know, it's just like to help them be closer to their family. And it helps me with rent and like all of these things that you're like trying to put out to people. And we ended up obviously all telling our, our close family, um, but really being public on like social media or to friends or whatever. It was like, oh, yeah, like my I have the best roommates ever. <laughs> um, and that felt very uh stifling like it, it really is like you're constantly having to think of like what does this person know or or yes. have I told this person about this or um and eventually it just gets to the point where it's you can't keep this straight anymore and so you're like we're just going to do it rip off the band-aid whoever stays around great if people don't great and I, I will say I've, I've distanced myself from a lot of my extended family because of uh, harsh comments and, and things like that, obviously shout out to yep. my Missouri family. <laughs> They're not great. Um, and so <laughs> I just, I don't interact with them. I don't associate with them anymore. And, um, but obviously my immediate family and all of our immediate families were still really, really close to. And, um, so it's definitely been like that transition, but once you start choosing to live fully, honestly, you really see like, who's going to be supportive and who's going to, you know, be in your right. corner. That's right. Who likes you for you and not for what they want you to be. Yes. I really appreciated the transparency that you guys showed in that video that uh, where you were talking about how even you like, I mean, Rachel, like you're like a doctor that specializes in non-monogamy coaching. And you guys were talking about how it's even uncomfortable for you sometimes to call each other wife or like talk to other people and like be transparent with yeah, I have a husband and a wife and just those social conditionings are so hard to like to, yeah, to break them down. So yeah. I I really appreciated your honesty with that. Like, all right, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. We're all going to have like sticking points just from being raised in this mononormative culture and purity culture. And yeah, recognize it. Yeah. Right. It's okay. Don't judge yourself. Don't blame yourself. Just yeah. what do you have to do to keep chipping away at it so it becomes more sort of, yeah. you know, who you want to be today. Yeah. And there's still so much stigma too, or just like lack of awareness that, man, it's like as much as you try to be completely open all the time, it's still like, I, I mean, you know, I, I work uh, anymore. I think everyone I work with knows, but um, when you're meeting new people or whatever, it's like, how honest are you that like, do I just want to have this conversation and like get my work done? Or do I want to mention my partner's 
and my wife and my husband and then have to like it's like you're, you're basically like signing up for like this well now you have to elaborate because people are going to be like right excuse me um, <laughs> so now, you spend your time all educating them on polyamory and yeah and so in that regard it's like i feel like you still have moments where it's like we're just gonna not say anything yeah, yeah. because it's just it's easier more comfortable so but obviously hopefully doing things like this and and being out there and being present educating people it's going to continue over the next several years to be more comfortable to be open yeah definitely Aaron what's it like for you like do you notice any um I guess judgment from people if you tell them you have your you have to talk to your wives or you know whatever it is <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's a little bit of the, of the the normative you know kind of dialogue of it's always and Rachel always is the one that kind of replies to these it's like oh the lucky guy right yeah the lucky guy comments and that sort of thing. Um, that's that's pretty, I guess, probably the one comment that we get the most of, at least on my side. Aaron, is there anything that drives you just a little bit nuts sometimes about being outnumbered by two women? <laughs> Don't look at them. Just look at me. Oh, it's it, there. There, there are three ladies in the house. The dogs, female. <laughs> <laughs> the estrogen is definitely outweighing uh, me. But no, it's. I, I think that. Um, they both do a really good job of kind of recognizing like it can't all be hair products and uh, <laughs> sometimes what josh has so more hair products than i do <laughs> oh, he's my man card come on i think honestly even outnumbered by two women gender stuff or whatever it, the, the, the three-person dynamic makes everything really interesting and almost more fair so it, when it was just Aaron and i one of us could just sort of overpower whoever's going to be more stubborn or yeah. or my way, your way. Right. Yep. You always automatically have sort of a tiebreaker. When yeah. I yep. wanted to, someone's going to side, not because they're taking sides, but they also have a belief and it's, are you yep. one actually being the asshole and you have to sort of check yourself. And leave, yeah. We talk about it all the time. You have a, you have a witness. Yeah. You don't say yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You'd say there's two people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People talk. Yeah. 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 That's the perception is like, Oh, you probably have people teaming up against one all the time. It's like, no more. You just have, you have a mediator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And really whenever you get called out and it, as Rachel said, we call it the asshole test and like, everyone's the asshole at some point and whenever you have two people being like no, no you're being the asshole <laughs> you like okay maybe pie you're like yes. fine yes I guess I'm whatever asshole. i'm out of here yeah. <laughs> totally yeah and in our dynamic it works really well i think they alluded to it earlier in that rachel and i are like very different she hates sports i love sports i hate rom-com she you know, loves rom-com stuff like that and with casey like the dynamic works really well for us because it's like right in between so mm -hmm. She watches sports with me. She watches chick flicks with Rachel. That's Perfect. awesome. You know, it's just kind of. Yeah. And they cook weird food together. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Joy. <laughs> like, and your girl goes and gets pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. For awesome. communication, do you guys have anything set up like weekly check-ins or anything like that? We definitely did early on. And, and we literally every, win I think it was a Wednesday book club. And we would have the check-ins. We would read books. Book book clubs right we would listen to podcasts we did all these relationship building activities and we did that for a solid two plus years then we were in therapy for a while before our ceremony we have check-ins after therapy sessions it's died off more or less probably naturally because they're not as needed right um 
but if there's something that we all just need to have some time and space, we'll put one on the calendar or we'll do them now more sporadically. But that was a big part of the relationship, especially early on. And Communication think, in general. Yes. And just, just yes. I was going to say, and I think uh, something about that, that really like holding that space, um, I have really bad anxiety. And so I found that like anytime we would like have these like really serious relationship um you know discussions i found myself getting really anxious and like oh like i what are they gonna say are they gonna but i think like having that consistency it becomes more comfortable and then just having that every week we knew it was at the same time you could hold space for that and then even after that and not necessarily having that like weekly calendar like we're gonna do it it still just makes it way more easier because we're all comfortable with it that we know like, okay, we're going to have this, you know, serious relationship discussion. And it is always, it's respectful. It's productive. We get to a place where, you know, it's, it's positive. And so it's, yeah, it, we communicate and communicate and communicate yep. <laughs> over communicate. And I think that that's obviously something that um, is the key to this type of relationship. You mentioned uh, therapy that you guys were doing early on, and that's something ever since we started this podcast, listeners were always right into us uh, complaining that they couldn't find therapists or relationship coaches that mm -hmm. specialized in throuples. They always told us like, well, just stop being a throuple or don't practice polyamory. That'll fix your problem kind of thing. Or do hierarchies, you know, like the, you, you need to have the dyad as a priority. So uh, just recently, Shar launched a website called throupletherapy.com, and it's just going to be a directory of... Uh, therapists and relationship coaches that uh, specialize mm -hmm. in throuples. So that's, we're really excited about really you know, sitting that out. So, cause it's been a thing back and forth and it's like, uh, well, we're talking to relationship coaches. We met uh, Allie Hendry. We had her as a guest recently and she explained that therapy is for the past, right? Is that yeah, for it? us dealing with she, your past. She educated us on the difference between therapy and coaching. <laughs> and coaching is for now and the future. Yes. So we thought that was very interesting, yes. but we'd love to have you on there if you'd like to be on uh, our directory. That would be awesome. And I think that's fantastic that you guys are doing that. And it is, I mean, everything you're saying is so true. And even if someone doesn't try to go or convince you back to a monogamous relationship or somehow imply that polyamory is wrong, just even have to educate your therapist and explain yeah. and get them up to speed just takes time and it's mm -hmm. a waste of your money. So to have someone that you know just gets it yeah. and knows the lingo is uh, yeah it's just awesome that you guys are doing that have you worked with uh any throuples yet oh yeah uh they're my favorite <laughs> all kinds of different relationship dynamics but of course just naturally love the love the triads yeah that's awesome and do you work with remote clients as well like do you work with people all over Awesome. It's probably all remote yeah. ever since but, COVID. I, I wanted to <laughs> assume, but I wanted, I wanted to clarify just for, for our listeners. Yeah, yeah you could so have pajama you bottoms are. on and slippers. Yeah, we'll never know. Right? I know. Yeah, there are good things that came out of coaching. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, there are good things that came out of COVID. <laughs> no, yeah. But what were you sure. saying? For sure. And it does. It makes it accessible to everyone much more easily, for sure. Um, that's the other difference between therapy and coaching. You do have to be licensed in whatever state or whatever right. the world or international um, as a to provide medical intervention or clinical mm. you know, diagnosis and intervention. So I'm only licensed from a psychotherapy standpoint in Colorado, Florida, and Texas. 
But when we're talking this and relationship dynamics and teaching educational skills and communication skills and conflict resolution, all these things that are going to be inherent to making a healthy, successful relationship, all end up for field coaching and then the academia. Yep. Ah, thank nice. you. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So are there any resources that you see this like a need for like whether it's books or just community um more more throuple specializing therapists like is there anything that you see that the throuple community as as a whole as a whole at large (laughs) um is needing more of all of the above i mean you just think about how many things are out there for any two-person relationship Yeah. Um, yeah We just really just need more and more and more. So it's just as prevalent and just available. And people don't have to even know that there's something specific that they have to be looking for. Um, I also think in general, I was just having these conversations with a couple of clients the other day of as much as the polyamory community is wonderful and great, it's stigmatizing and discriminating even within its mm-hmm. discriminated and, and stigmatized group where throuples and triads get such a negative connotation a lot of times Mm -hmm. so even i don't know a broader education based understanding of how to do this successfully ethically consensually um and almost to be able to have an emotional boundary or wall up against people that theoretically should also be supporting you because i think some of the other facebook groups and people join and then they feel shamed and made to, to, to feel bad and they're already in a place, right? So right. something around that and, and how we have more groups like the Ethical Triad Collective or the Thruple Triad groups on Facebook that really are supportive, if still done ethically, I get all of that piece of it, but there's a way to approach this and it doesn't have to be as hard or this is the most, you know, sophisticated type of polydynamic. I, I don't believe any of that. Yeah. I just think there has to be more places to go and more role models. It's so much of it, even just media, just more representation in real life, whether it's through social media or films or TV yep. or mm-hmm. books. That The number of people that we've had reach out to our Instagram or TikTok or whatever of just being like, uh, and this was definitely early on. I remember like seeing the comments of people being like, oh my gosh, I'm in this like exact same style of relationship. I've never seen someone else who's doing it. Like, and like, I feel like especially, um, and we're, we're, I feel like it's like Polly in general is coming out of the shadows, um, and especially over the last few years, but it's like, you know, for people who are, you almost feel like you're on an island and you're the mm-hmm. only person in the whole world that's doing this type of relationship. And then whenever you do come across, um, you know, some of those other presence, what, whether it be on social media or whatever, to actually see that is um, really special, and it and it makes you feel not so alone, not so isolated. Um, I feel like every time I connect with someone, like on a group on social media, and they're like, "Oh, I'm in this type of relationship," I'm like, "Send me a friend request. Like, <laughs> let's chat. I love to like connect with people who you know can understand and and kind of sympathize with all the same uh, types of challenges and wins and all of that." Awesome. I don't know if you guys know about our uh, Thruple Talk Connection Hub uh, group on Facebook, but it's Thruples are joining it. And it's growing really fast. It's really fun to see. We do a Thursday, Thruple Thursdays, and everybody posts pictures of uh, what they've been doing that week as a Thruple. And it's been a lot of fun just connecting with all these other Thruples around the country and seeing what they do. Around the world. Oh, around the all world. Over yeah. 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 So um, it's just been a lot of fun to see uh, what these guys are up to and uh, see the community growing. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot bigger than what we thought it was. 
Uh, yep. a lot of people. That was a that was a pleasant surprise yeah. because uh, the, before we started the podcast, we, we were thinking we are the only ones. There's nobody like us, you know. Just the, the live in throuple, throuples yeah. that are committed to each other, and uh, we were not right. There's a lot of us There's out there. A lot yeah. more than we thought. Yeah, that was the biggest thing I think Aww. for me. That it was like the the thing that was missing was like a sense of community. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I have anything against people who choose monogamy, but there's just a different dynamic that unless right. unless you're in a throuple, you just don't you understand, understand it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, right. yeah. So we're yeah, excited. It's also crazy to hear the stories of the people who are like, "Oh yeah, I've been with my partners for 24 years." Yeah. And they've literally lived in secrecy for the first 20 of those that they've been together in the same dynamic that we are and, but they've just kept it hidden. And so I think that that's kind of a really exciting thing about right now and where we kind of are in history is that people are coming out of the woodwork and um, you are able to kind of look around and see people that look like you that have your same type of relationship. Um, It's not all like smoke and mirrors and, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's not all as stigmatized. And I think that that's important for people to see other people and relationships that they can, you know, relate to. Exactly. I, we, you know, our mission here is to normalize alternative relationship structures. And the best way we can do that is to win the hearts and minds of our neighbors and family and friends. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we've been doing this um, showcasing throuples that have healthy relationships such as yourselves. Um, so we can show this is a normal way of living. It's yeah. we're not the strange weirdos that you might think we were. Uh, we were on. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. We were on uh, British News Channel. They were interviewing us a couple of weeks ago, and they asked us the most absurd questions <laughs> while we were on there. We were really caught off guard. Like oh, yeah. this, you guys are just sexual deviants, right? And uh, so, how does thruple swapping work? You find other thruples and you swap. <laughs> What are like, you talking <laughs> Where did you get your news from? Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely need to educate people. Uh, I did. Yeah. I because noticed. Right. You think of threesome and that's all you go. It's just a sex. It's right. like they can't possibly be in a relationship and love each other. Right. Yeah. I know you guys, uh, uh, you moved to Florida to be in a more uh, LGBTQ friendly community. Is this something you did on purpose? Is it something that you wanted to be in a place where you're more accepted or... So you have to remember, we came from Colorado and Colorado in general is a very open, accepting, loving, wonderful place um, in general. And then whenever people hear, oh, you moved to Florida and let's be real, it's not necessarily that same type of, uh, uh, you know. Challenges you guys must have over where you live. Uh Yeah, Uh, but we actually, (laughs) we moved to Florida because uh, Rachel was done with the winters <laughs> they moved from mexico to come back to colorado to be with me and after we were together for two, two years. years rachel was like i, I gotta get back. i love you but i can't do this anymore yeah. <laughs> right and so it was like i'm going you guys can come with me but like, and so we we looked um at a bunch of different states and communities and um you know the really decided on the east coast versus the west coast because just cost and expense and right. like if you want to live somewhere that's like by the beach um you know california is extremely expensive and <laughs> we're not about that life and so but then like looking at the different um places that we had available kind of on the east side of the country i mean if you're looking at some of the states that are you know have the beautiful beaches alabama mississippi like those really aren't the type of communities that are going to be open to all of this yes um so we yeah. did yet 
we did a lot of research um, and looked at a lot of the the different communities, and we actually found um, St. Petersburg and really did a lot of research on okay, this is a, a very safe and you know accepting community. Right. And then we came down and saw it, and that's how we really ended up in our neighborhood. It's called Gulfport, Florida. It's amazing. Um, and Literally rainbow flags everywhere. Everywhere. Nice. And, awesome. But it's an anomaly when you're talking about Florida as a whole. I mean, okay. obviously there are lots of pockets in Orlando or obviously down in Miami, things like that. But for the most part, like you go a little too far outside of St. Petersburg or Tampa and you're like, oh no, we're still in Florida. Like, don't, <laughs> don't hold my hand. Don't kiss me. Like we aren't here to try to make anyone okay. upset. But it was very pointed and selective in where we chose to be. That was still tropical. Mm. Right. I feel like Houston is very open-minded and we've never had any problems, but like us two, we moved specifically to start a new life together. We're California refugees. Yeah. We couldn't afford it there anymore. So, but we lived in a very conservative area of Northern California too. So there was a lot of, uh, I guess a lot of stigma that I didn't, Mm -hmm. didn't always feel comfortable going out as a triple and being like having PDA or whatever in public. What is your uh, favorite thing about being a triple? We, our tagline is, uh, you've got this. <laughs> I've got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Always a party, never a crown. But basically I, I think that like, this, it's just really never the whole time. You always have someone to talk to. If you don't want to talk, you can go escape and not feel the pressure of having to be there for the other person. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's just exciting. And, uh, yeah. And it is, it like, it elevates, I feel like I, I, at least for me getting into this type of relationship in a very serious way, I feel like it makes you a better person because you have two partners and you're always like pushing each other. It's a lot harder to be stagnant when you have that kind of extra person. And so I think that, um, and it's just more accountability kind of as Rachel had said, it's the, when it's like one person versus one person then, you know, you could get to a point where you never have any kind of resolution, but with three people and three different opinions, three different, you know, dynamics, um, it really does kind of push you to be like the best version of yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that. Nice. In closing, uh, what advice would you guys give to a new throuple just starting out? Just seek as much support and education and do the talking and get help if you need it, whether it's from mentors or role models or therapists or coaches. Um, it will be challenging, anticipate challenges, but they are so worth it. They don't do it alone. Really try not to just go into it blindly and hope that it works. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been a very good talk. We, we really appreciate it. It was wonderful to meet you and know all these things about you. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you for sharing your story and thank you for being so public with your journey on social media. It's awesome. And helping to normalize this. Yes. If you like our episodes, please don't forget to subscribe and share them with people just like yourselves. Please leave a comment and let us know what you thought of this episode. And we'll see you next time.